0: Hello and welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast with me, your host, Damian Mason, where we get together every week and we discuss issues impacting the industry of food, fuel, fiber, and farming. You know what? Uh, I try to make sure that we always have something on here that's a good topic, that's more interesting than the corn charts and and, uh, the weather. And Let me tell you, the weather's nothing to talk about here in my part of the world, northeastern Indiana. It's rain like every day. Uh, record amounts of rain, Uh, it's wet, I got a drainage project that's not happening because of all this moisture. It's not a good time for me in terms of the weather and my happiness, but it's always a good time to talk to you, my friends, my fans, my followers, and my listeners who tune in to be part of the dialogue. As you know, I make a living talking at corporate events all over North America. I have a special niche in the business of agriculture, which is why we do the Business of Agriculture podcast. So, last week I'm working for a couple of companies owned by Monsanto. And it turns out, our friends at Monsanto were in the news a great deal last week. That's right, you saw it. Two weeks in a row, Monsanto's been in the news. So we're going to talk about, today, the media-perpetuated march against Monsanto marching on. You know, that company doesn't even exist anymore. They're technically part of Bayer, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to the lunatics who want so desperately to hate this company that they just cannot get enough of it. So while Monsanto last week is going through their tie-up with Bayer, and I happen to be doing presentations to two different companies' meetings, sales meetings for Monsanto, they make the news a second time in two weeks. First was the $289 million lawsuit in California, the verdict. And then the second one was the Environmental Working Group's hit piece, uh, shall we say, disguised as a study. So here we are, we're going to talk about the media-perpetuated march against Monsanto, marching on. That's what we're covering here today. And I'm going to tell you why it matters to you. I'm going to tell you why you care. And one of the reasons you care is because protesters never go away. They just change their target. They just change their vehement stance from one thing to another thing because we have a permanent protest class here in the United States of America. We have a large section of our population, well-fed, well-housed, well-slept, not well-bathed always, and they have time on their hands. It makes them feel good that they believe they are changing the world, they are saving the world, if they can just be opposed to something. And you know it's really pretty easy. You don't have to really do a lot of work. You don't have to do any research. You just need to show up, hold a sign, sign protests, sign petitions, uh, take a little walk, chant something, uh, go online and type up some gibberish that's not even close to accurate. So this whole Monsanto thing really, really was educational for some folks in, my, in, in, in the business of agriculture that I have been telling for years how bad it is. I said, do you realize these people are, they're loose cannons. Do you realize some of these people that are normal folks that you work with, they sit in the cubicle next to you, they drive uh, you know, down your street, they're people that you know you go to family reunions with them, do you realize how unhinged, how out of touch they are, how lunacy prevails with these people when it comes to just mentioning the word Monsanto? So like I said, we're gonna cover what my perspective is and why this happens and why the business of agriculture is really screwed moving forward because of the madness that has been allowed to simmer over And the media is part to blame. Other chemical companies are part to blame. The business of agriculture, frankly, is part to blame. So that's what we're covering here today. The media perpetuated march against Monsanto, marching on. Even as as Monsanto doesn't even exist, they're now part of Bayer. Okay, so let's go ahead and set this up. Um, I know that you know the data because I've already covered it, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a timeline. I'm recording this on August 21st, so it was exactly two weeks ago. I believe it was Wednesday of uh, two weeks ago. It might have been Tuesday of two weeks ago. So it was early August, the California verdict. Now, let's put that out there so you understand what we're talking about. There are 5,000 cases against Monsanto. The first of which, the first big one, against glyphosate, which is the chemical in Roundup, came about two weeks ago. The, the uh, trial was fast-tracked. The plaintiff's attorney's put in to get it fast-tracked because their plaintiff was dying of cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And a 46-year-old groundskeeper works for a school system in Northern California. So they thought, oh my God, this is great. We got this guy who's dying, we can use as a, you know, evoke a lot of sympathy, a lot of emotion. We're gonna bring this guy in, we're gonna get this trial fast-tracked. We're also gonna make sure we bring this suit in the most liberal city in the United States of America, in the most liberal state in the United States of America, where anti-Monsanto sentiment runs rampant. Nobody in San Francisco grows food. Nobody in San Francisco knows what a GMO actually is or what it does or how it works. Nobody in San Francisco is a farmer. Nobody in San Francisco has probably ever even been to an Iowa soybean field. So these things all work very well. It's the land of hippies. It's the land of liberals. It's the land of shall we say, very different from what happens in normal agriculture, places where we grow food. You, know, you got farmers markets and food trucks, but you don't have food production. Now, there is in California, as we all know, it's the number one agricultural state, but San Francisco is certainly sure as hell not it. On the jury, I'm guessing there were no farmers. On the jury, I'm guessing there were no scientists. On the jury, I'm guessing there were no agricultural professionals. 12 of your peers, Turns out that they were not peers at all of anybody that might have any familiarity with the chemical glyphosate, the compound found in Roundup. So what really happened there was Monsanto was put on trial for being Monsanto. That's what happened. Monsanto was found guilty to the tune of $289 million by the jury for being Monsanto, for being the company that liberals have marched against in San Francisco, for being the company that Whole Food shoppers have rallied against, for being the company that food babe food babe, the non-scientist, non-farming, non-agricultural producer with her legion of idiots that puts out hit pieces every week, you know, that Subway has bread with chemicals in it that are found in yoga mats. Oh my God, I'm eating yoga! Oh, I'm eating yoga mats! So that's the company, Monsanto, that we all know. We've used our products and it's been targeted. So it was found guilty basically of being Monsanto. Now this will be appealed and also might be reduced. The judge could reduce the $289 million. I think it turns out it was $250 million of punitive damage. This means the plaintiff was given $250 million by the jury because they want to teach Monsanto a lesson. You evil corporation, you makers of Agent Orange. You've heard that, right? Every chemical company has been called a maker of Agent Orange, but a Monsanto, which is not even, I don't think, accurate, but but that's okay. Facts don't matter. You evil makers of Agent Orange, we're going to take, steal $250 million from you through the court system, and then, of course, $39 million just uh, for pain and suffering and because this poor man has cancer. By the way, my brother died of cancer. I'm not insensitive, not insensitive to cancer. I'm pointing out this was never about facts. This was never about science. This was never about compensation. We're going to compensate a school groundskeeper, $289 million? The school groundskeeper, even even in California, over the course if he worked 70 years, from age 18 until, uh, you know, 88, he wouldn't have made $2 million, and we're gonna give him $289 million. So that's really what happened there. So here's the thing. The forces that seek to profit the forces that want to profit from maligning Monsanto or line their pocket by maligning modern agriculture in general were already poised. I mean, this is how these people work. They are not-for-profits, which doesn't really mean that they don't rake in a ton of money. It means that they don't pay taxes. So nonprofits like the Environmental Working Group, which bills itself as a public health advocacy organization, it almost sounds legitimate, doesn't it? Like, they actually care about vaccinating children or uh, making sure that um, there's fluoride in the water and that, hey, wait a minute, Environmental Working Group, where the hell were you in Flint? Remember up there in Flint, Michigan, where the government was so incompetent and corrupt that they were poisoning their people with lead in the water? I don't remember you coming out about that one. Oh, I know why. It's because that would be you teaming up on a government that leans the same direction politically as you. You can't do that. But you can come out against a chemical company in agriculture, and that's of course exactly what they did. Let me give you a little background here. The Environmental Working Group is not a public health advocacy organization. They are an advocacy organization. The president and founder started this about 25 years ago, because if you want to get rich, start a not-for-profit You don't pay any taxes, you get a whole bunch of people to gift you money, believing they're changing the world, believing they've just saved the planet, and you take their money, you hire some staff, you put people in DC, and then what you really do is you hire gifted public relations people to put out hit pieces, deem it important to the public, and pretend it's actually factual data, which of course it was not. So the Environmental Working Group, the president and founder of which lives in San Francisco, oh, convenient? He was in San Francisco, he lives there, and that's where the court case was settled. Oh, I'm starting to draw some dots, putting the lines between the dots. Oh, and he leans which way politically? I'm just gonna take a guess here and say, probably put it a pretty hard left. Oh, and the Environmental Working Group, this is not the first time that they have been anti-Monsanto. Turns out this is something they do all the time. Why do you suppose that is? Because if you wanna raise money off of your database, of largely liberal donors that think the Environmental Working Group is indeed a public health advocacy group, even though they're really just an advocacy group pushing their agenda against modern agriculture. What do you do every week, every month? You pull out an anti-Monsanto rant and boom, the the lights on the phones come on and you're making money off of your fundraising database. That's how these organizations work. So the Environmental Working Group was poised and ready to drop their study. Now, this is the part where you're going to say, Damien, I've heard about that. This study was not very scientific. You're right. And guess what? The American people don't understand science. The American people are not good at science. The American people don't do science. So what the American people do is they hear what somebody said, and by golly, first first hit... Is always the biggest. Now here we are reeling, coming out with facts to refute what was said. Doesn't matter what's in everybody's heads because humans can only handle so much information. Humans in the digital age, our attention span's even shorter than, than it used to be. And Americans do not understand science. Remember, we live in a country, I say this all the time, one fourth of our country, 26% of Americans believe, do not know the Earth revolves around the sun. And you're going to tell them, that there's really not too much Roundup in their Cheerios. So that was how the Environmental Working Group dropped this. They waited till the news of the California study was out there, and they then said, great, we've got our study. Now, this study was done in-house or by their own science people. This was not peer-reviewed. This was not sent off to five different universities to say, hey, verify this. Nobody at Consumer Reports ever did the study. No, uh, no independent laboratories were brought in to check it again and again and again. No, it was just their people. And they said, oh, now what did they do? They didn't say, it turns out it's way less than the amount of chemical actually allowed. You see, because it actually was way, way, way less. So there's a little bit of this glyphosate that was found in oats and wheat products in cereals. General Mills, Quaker, and Kellogg's were three of the big cereal companies. They are the three big cereal companies. I guess Post would be one of them as well. They were named specifically. Somehow, Post was fortunate; and didn't get, uh, didn't get brought into the, the the lightning strike. And those three companies were named specifically and said, "There's Roundup in their cereal." And of course, if you really want to scare everybody, you got to put in children. So your children's cereals, like Cheerios, have are laced with weed killer. That's how many of the headlines ran. And so where I'm calling this, the media perpetuated march against Monsanto marches on. The company Monsanto isn't even going to exist as we once knew it. It's now Bayer. Uh, They're bought for $62.5 billion by the German uh, aspirin maker and chemical maker. And so what we got though is it's still really good business for the media and these organizations, these advocacy groups, to use Monsanto to make money because the more you malign Monsanto, the more you can get media and the media will work with you. You see, the media tends to work really, really well with these not-for-profits because many people in the media lean the same way. Again, politically, academically, uh, financially, economically, whatever you want to say is these organizations. Newsweek, Newsweek's cover Uh, essentially scared America, telling America they're all going to die because they're eating Cheerios. Uh, The Guardian, which is a U.S. and English-based alleged news source, says, weed killer found in wide range of breakfast foods aimed at children. Did you hear that? Weed killer found in wide range of breakfast foods aimed at children. Cancer-linked herbicide. Now dig that. Cancer-linked herbicide. Sold as Roundup by Monsanto. Now, what did we get right there? We threw Cancer and Monsanto in the same sentence, present in 45 products, including granola, snack bars, and Cheerios. And then we just dropped it right there on poor old General Mills and Cheerios. So what, of course, is Cheerios supposed to do? What General Mills supposed to do? Quaker Oats, Kellogg's, they're backpedaling, because now they're saying, oh my God, cereal consumption's already going down, and now they're scaring at all the American people that there's, just so you know, there was a little bit of glyphosate found, In this study, if you believe this study, one of the reasons is because we've got such good chemistry, now we can detect parts per billion of just about anything. There are also parts per billion of insect parts, parts per billion of mouse parts, parts per billion of bat poop, who knows? We have such good chemistry, such good analytics, we can actually find this stuff now. Here's where the Environmental Working Group not only did an amazing job of doing their hit piece, they got thousands of media outlets to go along with them because that's how the media operates. The media hates Monsanto. The media more so likes groups like the Environmental Working Group. The media tends to lean a certain way politically. The media certainly is not pro-modern agriculture. You're needing to go with this other one. The media is a for-profit business. I've told you this before. If you are The Guardian, Newsweek, New York Times, USA Today, You exist to make money. You make money by having readers, logger honors, listeners, viewers, clickers. You do that by getting them to pay attention. When you tell them that a big, nasty, evil company, big evil Monsanto is poisoning your children, your Cheerios and your Quaker oats are poison. By God, they tune in, they log in, they click, they listen, they view and you sell ads. So that's why this whole game works. The media is perpetuating this. The real numbers were so ridiculous, uh, I will pull you a couple of things, and these are the factual parts of it. Like I said, it was not peer reviewed. We found again and again and again, there is no actual uh, uh, cancer tie to glyphosate or Roundup, but it doesn't matter because facts don't matter, feelings do. We're gonna prove through a jury that we can steal the money from these companies and Monsanto's not gonna be the last one. That's where you in the agriculture have kind of screwed up. See, I'm here to tell you that I've been around this for a long time. 49 years I've been around agriculture. I used to be an intern for DuPont. I was a farm kid. I loved it when Roundup came about because it was my job to take care of the weeds around the dairy farm where I was raised. I would put a sprayer on, I'd go out there and I'd spray weeds. Hell, maybe I'll get cancer someday. But I can tell you what, we took care of a lot of weeds. It's a good product. It's the most widely used herbicide on planet earth, ladies and gentlemen, the most widely used herbicide on planet earth right now. So what do you think this is gonna do to agriculture if you ban it, if you get rid of it? Oh, but will they ban it? This is the other thing I'd like to point out. Usually, the way this goes is it's not really that we want a ban. Trial lawyers really just want the lawsuits. $289 million. 33% 33% take. They usually take one third. That's a hell of a payday right there. So do we really want to ban? Oh, probably not. You know what we might want instead? We might just want to keep an old bear in business, still selling lots of glyphosate, as long as we can sue the people that use it and take some money there. That probably is the big push. All right, now I'm going to tell you why all this works. Oh, and then the other part, of course, if you follow the tobacco example, let's look at tobacco. You know what tobacco did? Tobacco got sued was taken for a ride. All their money was pulled from them. They were made the evil company, the evil cancer-causing company that they were. And again, we're not even sure that anybody that makes glyphosate is guilty of causing cancer. That's still been very debatable. In fact, it's not debatable. Most scientists say it's not carcinogenic. Doesn't matter. Feelings, not facts. We live in a world that wants their food and wants their ability to eat it too. They want there to be no glyphosate. They don't know that much about it. They've never raised a food crop. Only 1% of this country here in the United States and Canada actually produces the food. Only 7% of us, demographically, are even involved in the industry. So this sentiment against chemical companies is very pervasive. Now, one reason I've never been able to figure it out is Monsanto kind of caught on. You didn't see this with Philip Morris. You didn't see it with the, but why is it? Why the march against Monsanto and not the march against BASF or the dump DuPont or the ban Bayer or the uh, uh, piss on Dow or the, (laughs) you know, shit can Syngenta? I don't know. Of the big six chemical companies, Monsanto has stood out as the lightning rod. And here's where I'm going to say shame on you, big ag. Shame on you, large chemical companies. Mostly you sat on your hands and allowed this to happen mostly you watched as a viewer, as a visitor, as a spectator. And you said, hey, better them than us. We'll just go along down here and sell dicamba. Nobody will bother us. Hey, we're just going to go out here and produce paraquat. Hey, we're just going to go out here and we're going to still make all kinds of herbicide. You know, we're BASF, we're we're Dow, we're DuPont, we're Syngenta. I know. I work for all the companies. I love them. I like herbicides. I like modern agriculture. It's an advancement of technology that has made us more productive, with less resources. But you all sat on your hands. You all watched Monsanto twist in the wind and get maligned and decided better than than us. Well, who do you think the protesters are coming for next? They don't go away. They're fat and happy, but they're not happy. They're just well-fed, and they need a protest. They need something to be against. It makes them feel whole. It makes them believe that they just saved the world. They shop at Whole Foods. They drive their yoga, their, their uh, Prius. They complain about how things are at the grocery. Use the words factory farm and corporate agriculture, even though they have no idea what the hell those two things mean. I ask everybody, by the way, you should do this too. When you get a chance ask somebody, hey, what does that mean? What is modern, you know, modern agriculture person, what does factory farm mean? What is corporate agriculture? (laughs) Well, Yes, exactly. Some of our consumers actually believe Monsanto owns the farms. That's where they're really screwed up. They think that Monsanto owns the farms. And also, some of this anti-Monsanto sentiment stems from, you can go back to Food, Inc., the documentary, which was really a lacking in facts pushed out there just to cause an emotional visceral reaction and so food ink you could say was part of the beginning of this and then of course the GMOs oh my god GMOs OMG they're killing us no you're not no, they're, they're just a genetic engineer to make it so we don't have cutworm and we don't have to use the you know counter insecticide no 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 I heard that they're poisoning us so you got that whole hysteria there's also a segment of our population who believes they are helping farmers by opposing Monsanto. I'm sure you've probably heard this, but maybe you have not. See, I live half the year in Phoenix, Arizona. I travel every week with the non-agricultural of our of our society. And they say things like, oh, yes, you're a farmer. So, like, I heard you, like, basically all just work for Monsanto. Like, what, what are you talking about? Actually, I am on the road working for Monsanto this week, but that's <laughs> because I'm doing a paid presentation because that's what I do. I do speeches for ag. What are you talking about? So they all say crazy stuff, and here's what I think you got to realize. They believe that these chemical companies force farmers to buy seed from them, that you have no choice, you have to buy seed from them. Like, no, 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 that's that's not really true. It's just that if you're going to use their technology, you sign a contract that states that you will not uh, uh, reuse the seed where you're thereby surpassing them or, uh, so we say, bypassing them uh, on use of their technology because it's patented product. They don't understand that. By the way, they think that somehow, until Monsanto came along, that farmers were saving their seed and replanting it next year. I would tell them, you know, that happened, like Robinson Crusoe, I think. I remember that was his deal because he was stranded on an island had to keep seed back. You know what? We've been buying seed out here for as long as I can remember because if you want a good crop, you buy seed. You don't keep some crap from two years ago and throw it back out there. No, because they don't understand that. They believe that by harming Companies like Monsanto, they're helping farmers and agriculture, not realizing that actually agriculture wants their product. Without glyphosate, the world of agriculture is going to be a very different place. A couple other things I believe that we need to understand. I've covered most of the reasons why this is happening. I've covered most of the reasons why it's going to continue to march on. It's emotion, not logic. That's where I kind of always have to tell my friends in the industry here, you're talking about facts with a group of people that don't want to hear facts. They want to go with feelings. I'll give you some facts. There's a uh, cell biologist uh, named uh, Lita uh, Ruchelmi, and she pointed out in one of her articles to reach the inhibiting effect, and we're talking about inhibiting because one of the things, the arguments against glyphosate isn't just that uh, it it apparently gave someone cancer in California, which it probably did not, that... um, That it's in our cereal and your children are ingesting it which it's in such small portions that it's almost undetectable that the other one is that by us eating food in a world where glyphosate roundup is used that uh, we're harming the gut bacteria that we all have you know making it so we can digest our food so this cell biologist uh, pulled up the numbers turns out you'd have to ingest roughly 330 pounds of legumes and the reason they use legumes, you know what legumes are, I say alfalfa, peas, beans, right? That's what legumes are, nitrogen-fixing plants. They have the highest level that's set uh, for a limit of pest due residue. So if you use the crop that has the highest amount of allowable glyphosate, it'd be legumes, and you'd have to eat 330 pounds of legumes. I don't know if that's in one day, one sitting, or one year, but either way, who the hell could do that? Of course, none of us. It's not even practical. And that's to put us within 100, 1-100, I think, of what they said was acceptable. Another part about the facts, just the fun of it. A 150-pound person, that'd be about the average 7-year-old right now, 150-pound person in the United States would have to eat 62 pounds of produce at the highest level of allowed residue every day in order to reach the limit of 2 milligrams glyphosate for 2.2 pounds of body weight. So if you weigh 150 pounds, you're going to have to eat 62 pounds of produce that's got the highest level of allowed residue every day in order to reach the limit. So if you weigh, uh, you know, 300 pounds, that means you're going to, have to go ahead and throw 124 pounds of produce down per day. <laughs> so we know that that is all bunk. We know it's not about the science. It's about the feelings. It's about the emotion. My concern is this is going to continue to get bigger. The media has already given us the green light. We see what's happening here. They, they've given the green light to groups like the Environmental Working Group. Let me just tell you again, the president of the Environmental Working Group, just for fun, go check him out on LinkedIn. His name is Ken Cook environmental working group again an advocacy alarmist organization that that exists to cause harm to organizations they don't like that's what you're really talking about they don't know public health no it's not about public health it's about we're a hit organization we're going to hit monsanto we're going to hit chemical companies they're also the ones that are anti farm bill you know they're the ones that published all of your names if you happen to be a farmer and said that you got $40,000 of uh, crop insurance matching monies last year. That's the Environmental Working Group who's done all this. So look up old Ken Cook. He's a San Francisco resident and uh, he heads this organization up, founded it, makes himself a lot of money, I'm sure, doing this. Here's what Ken Cook says. No one wants to eat a weed killer for breakfast and no one should have to. Then he says that the food companies need to step up because of the lawless nature of the Environmental Protection Agency under the Trump administration. So, if you want to pretend it's not political, you maybe say, Damien, man, you've referenced some political stuff here, and I don't know if I want to go that direction with you. That's fine. I'm not trying to tell you who to vote for. I, I, I usually don't get too political on this podcast. But if you believe it's not a politically motivated hit, it is. The Environmental Working Group certainly opposes the Trump administration, calls the EPA lawless under his presidency, and is then instead going straight to the companies and trying to bully them through this mis, this misuse of the media, putting out stuff that's not factual, and the media willingly went along with it and said, oh, wow, my goodness, yes, they're poisoning your Cheerios. Here's where I want to just kind of leave this. If you, if you just realize the, the way it works, it's not about facts, it's about emotion, it's about feelings, it's about commanding people's actions by getting them emotionally enraged and evoking that emotion so that they'll go out and scream that Cheerios is killing me, that Quaker Oats is killing me, those bastards over at Kellogg's, they're poisoning my child. Even though there's no factual, re- there's no scientific reason to that, there's absolutely no data. To back that up doesn't matter. That was not the point. The point was to cause harm. And now the Environmental Working Group wants these food companies to fall right into what their recommendation is, which is organic agriculture. They want these food organ—they want these these large food companies to agree with them that the only answer is organic. You've got to push for a law that says all cereal must be organic. There can be no herbicide. That's their big agenda. And here's the problem with the media. This is why you should be not only skeptical, but also you should be pissed. You as an agricultural professional listening here to the Business of Agriculture podcast should push the media and call them out, as I oftentimes do, and say, you are a bunch of liars. You are nothing but a bunch of liberal arts majors with a pen and a computer and a camera and a website pushing out misinformation to scare people so that they'll still come to you thinking you're a credible news source. Think about this, they ran the headlines, front page news, based on what the Environmental Working Group gave them. Again, not peer reviewed, no universities, no real science. It was just a media hit piece, and they ran it. Free publicity for their cause. What if the NRA released its own study about, say, gunshots and gun shootings in Chicago? Do you think the media would be as compliant and complicit and willingly run those hit pieces? No. What if the NRA came up with a weekly article and gave it to the media and said, here's why guns actually save lives? Okay, you're saying, Damien, man, you're getting crazy. All right, let's not use the NRA. What if the coal industry gave the media articles about why we need more coal burning factories and power plants in the United States because it would make us more energy independent and a more powerful country economically. Would the media run those articles given to them by studies that the coal industry had sanctioned and paid for? But they did that for the Environmental Working Group. What if oil or tobacco or the alcohol industry commissioned its own studies and went to, as the Brewers Association of America, as the oil Producers and frackers of North America, if we came to you with our story, would you publish it front page, just as we've given it to you, without even refuting it or checking its data or its, its factual compliance? Check the science behind this. We're the tobacco industry. We think tobacco is actually good. Run that piece. No. So they ran the Environmental Working Group piece as a willing accomplice. And that's what we're up against, agriculture. My concern is This will be a money grab. The media obviously was done for one specific purpose. The Environmental Working Group has one big goal. They want to destroy Monsanto, which is now Bayer. And once they steal their money or at least assist courts cases that can steal their money, then it becomes the environmentalists are happy they've destroyed these chemical companies. Lawyers are only too happy to participate because they can steal money through court cases. And, of course, the government's going to sit back and maybe they'll get in on the act. Oh, it means we can regulate them a little bit more, probably put some taxes on those evil companies. That's where all this goes. I'm Damian Mason. Thank you for joining me on the Business of Agriculture podcast, where today we talked about the media perpetuated march against Monsanto, marching on. This is not a good time for agriculture. I think that my call to you is get vocal, get Vocal and make it about feelings don't make it about facts because we've proven that the facts don't matter, particularly as it relates to this issue. Go out there and stand up for what's right. And what is right is we still need the technological tools to do our jobs. And that includes herbicides. Environmental Working Group, PETA, HSUS, they're all the exact same ilk. There's no difference between the Environmental Working Group and PETA or the Humane Society of the United States. They're advocacy groups that use emotion and misinformed public opinion to accomplish their objective. Thank you for joining me. Till next time, again, it's Damian Mason, the Business of Agriculture. Share this with your friends, please, because really the people that need to hear this are not the people that are on a tractor seat right now spraying glyphosate on their soybeans. They are the people who do not know any better. They think they're helping us, and they're not. Till next time, thank you.